All right, welcome. Um, getting another chance to record. Coach Lane, I feel like we have like people just lined up right now uh, to do recordings with um, as we've kind of reached out to people. But uh, I think today is, is the best guest we've ever had. We have the goat, have the goat I, today. I, I promised a legend on, um, on Facebook and on Instagram, and we are bringing you a legend today. We have uh, the one and only Ralphine Lee with us today. So we are really, really excited. Um, it's just exciting. I, I love this because it's keeping us in touch with what we do as coaches and, and having these conversations and, and reaching out some new people and some people we already know. So, um, but I'm, we've been talking about this one for a little while and I'm, I'm really excited. Um, and I think you guys are going to enjoy this. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. Um, having this conversation, uh, coach Lane, would you like to say a hello to everyone? What's up? Uh, thank you, Ralphine, so much for being here. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. We were just chatting away with Ralphine even before we started recording. We're like, oh, we got to actually start recording this. Yeah. Place, you guys. Thank yeah. you. This is awesome. This is awesome. Um, miss the wrestlers. Uh, miss everybody. The Greg Willie just put out a, a really cool slideshow. I posted it on the Bella Vista Wrestling fan page this morning. Um, he spent a lot of time putting that together. And he got all the photos from Doc Martin, who spent a ton of time editing and getting those photos together to Greg. So thank you to you guys. Um, as of now, we're still looking like we can start some preseason stuff in December with the season starting in February and practice and, and competition in March. So we are on schedule for that. So make sure you are lifting like you're supposed to be right now. So um, if not, it's not too late. Let's go. Bye. By preseason, you mean running hills and stairs and all that kind of fun it's stuff, so right? fun, though. It's it just is. a nice way to say it. it's preseason. Just watch the, ready. watch the sideshow video today, and um, it will motivate you. It got me really excited. Like, I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I, like, miss wrestling. Like, I miss these guys. I miss the parents. I miss everybody, right? I miss that whole environment. And um, that video today just really got me excited and, like, got this, like, nostalgia, you know? Like, just felt a little sad at the same time. But... Yeah, you know, it, it's, um, it's definitely a hole there in, you know, not the season should be coming up right now. We should be like really mentally getting prepared and getting all our ducks in a row and ready to go. And um, it's it just I'm realizing the closer we get to the, how big that hole really is and how, uh, how much that fills in what we do in, um, in, in contributions we get to make as coaches and relationships with not just our wrestlers, but parents and their community and um, but we'll get there. We'll get back there. Um, I'm, I'm excited. And it's, it's, it's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing, I guess, right now. You know, we know that that's sitting there waiting and we'll, we'll get to get back and see those kids again and parents in the community. And, and in the meantime, we get to see Rafim. Yep. That's even better. That's yep. even better. Yep. All right. Are you ready for the grilling? I mean, the questions? <laughs> I think it's not fair that I didn't get the questions ahead of <laughs> Hey, I, I talked to the commission on debates and they said that wasn't allowed. So otherwise. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, commission. Yeah, it's just, it's just Garrett and I. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so the parents and the wrestlers in our programs and the millions of fans who listen to this podcast, millions, uh, know quite a bit about your history um, and your contributions to, to Bella Vista Wrestling and not just BV Wrestling, actually globally into wrestling. But what I think most of them don't know, and, and I know because I'm a long-tenured San Juan teacher, is, uh, is your background as a teacher in San Juan. You, your, your work and your reputation is um, incredible. So 
Give us a little bit of background in, in your teaching and some of the things that you accomplished as a teacher. Gosh, Dana, here I was all set to answer wrestling questions. I know. <laughs> I know. Just as I just I, as I wrote that one all myself. Right, <laughs> 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 me. <I'll take> <laughs> well, I taught over thirty years, thirty something. I'm not sure exactly how many. Um, most of my years were at Trajan School, which feeds to Carnegie and BV with some of the kids anyway. And I was very fortunate to be at Trajan when I was, because uh, at that time. Trajan was a brand new school in our district. And so we wrote the vision, the mission statement and all that stuff from the ground up, which is really an experience if you've never done it before. I didn't really come on board till the second year, but my good friend Lynn Pistacchini was there the first and I went along with her and learned a lot in doing that. And then when we started out, um, first of all, we were a demonstration school, which <laughs> I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I was really lucky <laughs> because what happened was um, we actually had staff development housed right at the Trajan campus and the staff development unit could, I mean, they taught us so much stuff. And being a demonstration school, it literally means that people might walk into your classroom at any hour and see what's going on. Wow. Usually we had groups planned, you know, we knew when they were coming, but not always. And we had people from Japan and people from, you know, lots of different places. So it was an exciting place to be teaching at that time. Super cool. I didn't you know. know. You, you just gave me a little mini flashback. Um, when I first started teaching, I used to sub quite a bit for uh, Kathy Poloni over there. You did? I oh, did. God. Yeah. I, I got to sub. Yeah, I got to sub a few yeah. times for her and yeah. I was just working one day and all of a sudden this group of people came walking in the room. It's like, oh no, <laughs> I'm just a sub, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just remember that that school just being really incredible and actually um, the secretary there is really a big reason why I ended up at Carnegie the way I did. Tina Rock? I, I'm not sure of the name, but I was supposed to be there for, um, for Kathy for like a week uh -huh. and Carnegie called and I said, well, I've already committed to being here. And I get a handwritten note in the middle of the day from the secretary saying, you need to see me before you leave. And it's like, oh no, what did I do? And she said, you need to call Carnegie back and take that spot. Cause I wow. didn't know that that spot was planned for me to be there the rest of the year. Oh. But, but the way it was back then, they would, you know, make sure those things happen. Oh but, yes, they um, did, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. And I was just really impressed with, I know they had the, the pod in the back where they started like the sixth graders rotating through subjects. So they're really getting them ready for middle school. And yeah. I just remember there being some incredible teachers at that school at that time. You know, and, and something that I felt was so fortunate to be included in, uh, we were chosen to be the first full inclusion school in San Juan District. Yeah. And we were chosen because we had the campus, but more than that, we were already integrating all of our kids as much as we possibly could in the regular classroom. So we were all nervous about that, thinking, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with these kids? And so they had a few workshops and we go, hey, this is just what we're doing anyway. You know, right. these kids just, so we rewrote curriculum. It was a wonderful experience for everybody concerned. Yeah, and those kids ended up at Carnegie. Yes, they that did. That group of kids ended up at Carnegie, yeah. And it really, you know, um, obviously we were really nervous about it, but we <laughs> kind of took it and ran with it. And I, for, for years, from that group all the way through probably until four years ago, five years ago, I was the eighth grade history class that would take those kids in. I had ILS kids in my room. Yeah, Diane yeah. Coster and I did a lot of training for uh, 
for co-teaching within the district and we did some workshops at CLMS, but it was great. I mean, it really, it just changed the whole atmosphere of your classroom with your kids. It's just, it's amazing the way it changes things and what that did for our school. Yeah. One thing I learned uh, early on with like uh, in the teaching credential program and in my, in my career was um, making those accommodations and, you know, specially designed academic instruction. You know what I mean? Um, That's, that's good teaching in general. You teach every kid at their level if you can. Yeah. And good teaching is good teaching. Right. So like if I'm, making these special accommodations, whatever, like, and I'm explaining this in a very, like, detailed way. Um, that's just good teaching in general. Like, a lot of kids can, everybody can benefit from that, not just, like, one or two groups of kids, you know? So, um, that's great. Hey, uh, Ralphine, um, back to your, your teaching stuff. Can you tell us about some of your uh, awards and accomplishments? I know you're very humble and you don't want to brag, but this, this is, it's not about you. It's about everybody. So, something about teacher of the year or something like that, or... Yeah, I can because I was, you know, it's just kind of like sometimes you're in the right place at the right time. And I think that's kind of what happened to me uh, because I was nominated by my staff and then by my principal for the county to be go forth to the county competition. And then I found out I had to like write a master's thesis to go (laughs) further. And I didn't really know if I wanted to do that or not, but I thought, why not? And I, I did and ended up being selected as one of a group of students. And the process is really good because say you narrow it down by reading paperwork, you narrow it down say to 13 teachers from all over the state. I mean, you go from Reading down to, you know, all it doesn't matter where they're from, doesn't matter. If two of the best teachers are teaching side by side, you know, they look at them that way. And, and it was really a learning experience for me. So um, the team of two came to visit my classroom and fortunately my kids were really good that day of course I <laughs> them with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's amazing how they come through in those moments uh, don't they, they? Do. Yeah. yeah they do yeah so I happen to be and something people don't realize is because California is such a large state we are allowed to have five teachers of the year state teachers oh. of the year. and still you know it's not proportional <laughs> to what the small states are, you know. So that's very fortunate. So anyway, I was chosen as one of the five in 1997, which like, wow, I learned so much. I mean, I wasn't, I mean, you know how that goes. You you always learn and I love being a lifelong learner, but I certainly learned a lot from that experience. And I'm real happy to say that today I'm still involved with that because um, I'm on the committee that reads the resumes for the nominees every year. And you know, just like the wrestling family is a family, that teacher of the year family is kind of another little family unit I'm a part of. And it's, oh, what I was going to say, those 13 people that are nominated all over the state, you are going to have the same team look at every classroom. So it's not wow. David looking at some, and you, so you can imagine it takes two weeks to put that all together. Wow. So anyway, yeah, it's quite a process. And I, I was, yeah, really Honored that's awesome and that's so cool that you're part of that team now that, that yeah, those. yeah and, i love it we play words with friends we you know just all- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um right. i will say um last year one of my favorite moments of the 2019-2020 season was uh when you were the honorary coach for bell vista for that those couple of days and a lot of people don't know this but um Ralphine was the honorary coach for us this year at one of our dual meets and sat in the corner and helped coach the kids but the day before that, um, that dual meet, she came to our practice and gave a speech to our wrestling team. And um, I was so impressed with 
um, your speech was fantastic. It was awesome. And you had those kids, they were, I mean, you could hear a pin drop. They were dead, just, they were so engaged with what you were saying and it was so impressive. And immediately afterwards, uh, Toby Harris, the other coach with me, like he came up to me, he's like, you can tell she is a good teacher, like legit California teacher of the year. She is really good, right? And it was, those kids just, um, they got a whole nother level of respect for you. And it was really impressive. It's cool to see you in that environment and to have you involved with that whole entire process. Well, uh, here's what I have to tell you about that, Garrett. I have been very fortunate, you know, to be in the Hall of Fame, the State Hall of Fame and the National Hall of Fame with Charlie. But nothing has been an honor like being there, talking to your kids, sitting in that corner. That's probably the proudest moment of my life. And I mean that sincerely. Garrett, I think that all goes, you, you touched it right there too. And that's why it's, it is such an honor to place you in the idea that coaching is teaching. It's the same process. It's just a different classroom and a different format that we're doing it with, but coaching is teaching. And when you, that's the one different thing about coaching wrestling than teaching when you do get to sit in that corner, right? <laughs> with yeah. those kids under that spotlight. Cause when our kids take a test and they're doing great, that's not quite what we're doing. You know, we're not, they don't have a spotlight on them. They may feel like they do, but. Come uh, on, choose A, choose right, A. Right, right. <laughs> and, and being able to watch kids just shine in front of people is, it's amazing. And that, yeah. that was a great night. It was just, it was such yeah. a cool thing. And, and, and that's, the kids still say, do your best. Because I remember you they said. They really, oh, that's awesome. Was, they still say, do your best. Oh, and that actually goes right into my next question, because um, as a, as a parent of, and like the wife of like such a, a family that was in you, like so strong academically and athletically in your careers, David and Susie, I mean, um, so much success in everything they've done in, in school and athletics. Um, Dave went from Stanford to Wisconsin after Bella Vista. Um, and where did Susie go to college? Stanford. Stanford, that's what I thought. I didn't want to say it wrong. Yeah, Stanford. David graduated from Stanford. He came back and graduated from Stanford. So oh, that, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thanks right. to Dave Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Um, that's awesome. So um, what did you and Charlie do as parents to, because it's so hard to be a successful student. It's so hard to be a successful athlete and to have, combine that marriage of those two things together and be successful in both of those endeavors in life and for, for your children, right? Um, what did you guys do as parents to guide your children? And what advice could you give parents now um, for, for the parents listening on? And what could you, what, what do you, what did you guys do that, that worked out so well that you just grew these like just awesome Boy, human beings? You know, that, that's such a hard question to answer. And I listened to parents, parents of back in the day when we were young parents together or something, and I would hear what they were telling their kids and I thought, Oh man, I never, I should have been doing that with my kid, you know, but, but you just live your life one day at a time. If you're lucky enough to come from a good home, as both Charlie and I did, of course, that makes a huge difference. It really does. But that's not the only thing. But I think the most, the, the most important thing is that you model what you want your kids to do. That's, that's the key. You just, I mean, you don't swear at home if you don't want your kids to swear, you know. And if you want your kids to read a book, you better be reading books at home. So modeling it is a lot of it. And, you know, David, with his athletics and stuff, I think, too, there's a fine line, especially in athletic competition. And you guys manage this skill so well, I would say, 
listening to what you do in the wrestling room with your kids and your vision statements and all that stuff is not to put pressure on the kids. And if there is pressure, it has to come from within the athlete, you know? Yeah. And, and okay. I know David would, could have been and was, of course, under a lot of pressure to go for that third state championship, but never ever was it discussed in our home. You know, it was just, oh, well, it's another match. And, you know, so I think not pressuring kids and then that's a fine line because then you don't want to baby them too much either. So, <laughs> yeah. it's so hard. You know, when I was a parent, I didn't consider it a hard thing to do. And now I'm seeing, especially my one granddaughter has little kids and I'm thinking, oh man, it is so hard. And Garrett, I look at you with your little girls and I think, <laughs> oh man, it wasn't that hard. When I <laughs> and really, it is different now. Things have changed a lot. Sure. Too. Oh, there's you know, a million different things. And Ralphina, you're talking a little bit about motivation. And yeah. that was one of the things that I always was amazed with Charlie is he just had, he knew what buttons to push and, and when it was time to flip a switch and when it wasn't. Um, and he just... He knew yeah. athletes as individuals and knew oh, what yeah. they needed. Some needed a, a kick in the rear and, and some didn't. Some just it needed works. you to yeah. let them figure it out. And, and I think that goes the same thing of being a parent. Every kid's different. Yeah. And it's yeah. about figuring oh, out so right where about. the buttons are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what you touched on, too, it's um, I've seen like a lot of the, the top coaches that I've studied they do a lot of those things. You're saying take it one day at a time. So you're focusing on your process. You're focusing on right now, yep. just doing what you can do right now. Way down uh, the road. Yeah, you're not only you're not only teaching the stuff, but you're and you're modeling it as well, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we do that as coaches, as teachers, <laughs> as parents. But like modeling, I practice what I preach, right? And then um, and the, the other thing I love is is I got this from John Wooden um, in one of his books that he wrote. But he said he never talked about. Uh, championships ever 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 he never even talked about winning right and um, obviously you want to win and he's the, the most successful basketball coach of all time right but um he said he wouldn't talk about winning or championships but he just focused on each day improving each day focusing on the process and he kind of said his goal was to be able to sit in the stands and watch the game and not even have to say a single word <laughs> while the the players played right but um like what you just said is like what you guys did as parents i mean you're like you're like taking it one day at a time, right? Not putting pressure on them, not because if you guys sat at the dinner table all week before the state championship and said, David, you better win this, this one, you got to focus on it, think about state, right? Then you're getting in those heads. You got to go out and run tonight. You know, never once did Charlie say, you got to go out. David just on his own, he'd go run or he'd work out or yeah. whatever. And if he needed that, you guys probably would have figured out that that's what he needed because some yeah. kids want that from their parents. You're right. You're and, right. Um, and you know, like Dana said, it just depends on the individual kid and how you, in the classroom, how you motivate them in the wrestling room. And, and I think what you just said, Garrett, um, when I, I was so glad that I got to be there to watch practice the day before the meet because I could see what you were working on. And I don't have a lot of background in technique and fundamentals like you guys do. I just know kind of the whole big picture. Sure. But that night in the meet, I would see certain kids and it's almost like they were thinking, Oh yeah, I can do this. And and you and I talked about that. We'd see several yeah. kids. Yeah, look at them trying that. Yeah. The things that you yeah, that you had taught the day before. And that's what a good teacher does. Yeah. Yeah. And um we had a whole thing about like, hey, I want you to try this and and fail at it. It's okay yeah, to right, fail. Right. And like and then you know what, we'll try again and maybe we'll fail again, we'll fail better, right? But um we'll just keep on trying it. So go out there and try, make mistakes, it's okay, have fun. Yeah, Garrett, that was uh 
That was one of my favorite moments of your Bella Vista season was the, the first duel when you said you had them all together and said, let's go out there and make some mistakes. And just the look on their face, first of all, their eyes got about this big, like, what are you talking about? But then they got it. It was like, you know what, go out there, try the things that we've been working on. If you make a mistake, you make a mistake. But I'd rather have you, you know, make a mistake trying something than, than lose because you were afraid to lose. You know, this is what we want to teach these kids, like these lifelong skills, right? And um, in the classroom or in athletics, like it's a good, go out there and try things in your life. And if you fail, you make a mistake or some, let's go back and regroup, practice, get better at whatever that is that we're trying to get better at and try it again, right? Have some resilience, right? What this ties in with, and I bet you guys have both read the book called Mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I can't say the author right now. She's a Stanford lady. Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck. Dweck. Yeah, Dweck. yeah. Mindset. growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Oh, important. Yes. Yeah. And she, in that book, she talked about great athletes that could have been even greater had they not stuck with that fixed mindset. You know, yeah. and a great athlete would have to be, you know, but, but that is kind of part of all of this, too. Skronko podcast, what, Diana, number three or number two? Uh, we did a growth mindset versus fixed yeah. mindset. I remember. Thing. I listened to it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Girl Dweck is phenomenal. She's yeah. awesome. She is. I, do yeah. the, I bring her in my classroom, too. Every year, we just we, we did a whole thing with her. Uh-huh. uh-huh. She's right. awesome. Yeah. Dana, All right. your I, turn. I'm, I'm ready. Uh, both Garrett and I had the honor of being at your, uh, your induction ceremony for, for the Hall of Fame. Um, I, I just thought, I, I look back at that picture of that whole group of people that were there, and it's just... It's an amazing, um, it's like a timeline of Bella Vista wrestling. It, it really is because, you know, I have an older brother that was, you know, oh, there yeah. in the 70s and oh, played yeah. for Charlie and wrestled for Charlie. And, yep. and I know a lot of those guys from then. Yeah. And then the group I went to school with and David went to school with and, you know, the, the youngins like the Gareth age kind of guys. Um, Jake Briggs. Yeah, Jake Briggs. Um, but, but your impact is so much more than Bella Vista wrestling and what you've done and your family has done. Um, I just thought if you have a story or two that you wanted to share from, because I mean, we talked before we got on air about the Bella Vista Spring Classic. So oh. you've done that all the way to, you know, Olympic level, uh, level work in wrestling. So do you have a story or two that you want to get out there for us? Well, <laughs> okay. and you, if you've read Charlie's book, you've probably heard some of these yes, stories. A couple times. <laughs> yeah. But, but one that I will never, re- never forget because I would carry that into my classroom. You guys know the name Rulon Gardner. Now, our audience may not, but a lot of them will. Rulon Gardner was our Olympic champion who beat the Russian, can't think of his name right now. Karelin. who'd never been beat before. Well, I always worked the Concord International Wrestling Tournament, which was held down Bill Martell's uh, place down there at Concord. And this particular year, the Olympic championship, not the championships, the trials were being held. So I was the head official. So I'm sitting there at a table and it's time for weigh-ins and weigh-ins were to close at 6 p.m. that night. So I'm sitting at the desk and I'm kind of getting stuff together because it's time to end the weigh-ins and watching the clock. And I hear somebody yelling down the hall, come on, come on, you know, come on. And I'm thinking, oh boy. And so I'm watching the clock and the hand <laughs> going, it's six o'clock. I mean, that's easy when you've got one of those clocks that does right. that. And here comes the coach. And the coach says, oh, my wrestler needs to weigh in. I said, I got to tell you this, coach. <laughs> right now, I would say it's maybe 13 seconds past 6 o'clock. No big deal, but that's a technicality, and I have to, I have to note that on the card. 
He said, well, it really doesn't matter because my wrestler's a heavyweight anyway. Uh, well, I said, yeah, it does matter. You know, you <laughs> so anyway, of course, Ulan went back and he was a college student at that time, fortunately. And so he, he stepped on the scales and they marked down that he was there at 13 seconds after six or whatever the seconds were. So you know what happens next? A big international, um, what's my word, a protest committee meets on this. Well, you see both sides of it, of course, you know, because some of the coaches were saying, oh, come on, 13 seconds, of course, it's okay. And other guys are saying, well, what about two minutes? Would that be okay? Well, yeah. you know, and it went back. But the interesting thing was, it was the different countries. And then you've got these interpreters doing that concrete tournament. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can tell you a lot of stories. But anyway, they finally did come to the conclusion that the kid would be disqualified because he technically did not make weigh-ins. I happen to agree with that decision too, because, you know, now he was a college student. He probably wouldn't have placed anyway, but you see what I'm saying? Because if that had happened eight years later, we wouldn't have had the Olympic champion there. Oh. And I'm sure yeah. he never forgot that lesson. He never missed, he, he made, never made it late to Williams again, ever again. I bet he never was late to anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would always use, I would tell my third graders that story, you know, about how important it is to be on time. So that's, that's one that I always remember. <laughs> I, I love, I love that one. That reminds me, and I know we could go on forever, but that reminds me of the John Smith one where, um, in Barcelona. Oh. Where back then, Dana, um, in 92, they, they had, um, it's like a point system, and then the final three people would get to a round robin. Right, right. And then, then those point system, they could carry or not. And John Smith lost a match, right, early on. And he ran to Ralphine while he was wrestling, right? Yeah, Greg Strobel came to me. Yeah, uh-huh. Tell, tell oh, us real quick. I mean, Or not real quick, just take your time. <laughs> I'm sorry. going at the Olympics, and, and I'm the official sent to the Olympics, so... I think I'll be working in the pairing room. That's what you do, right? I mean, that was what the United States thought I would be doing. That's what I thought I would be doing. Wrong. The Spanish people had only their people in the pairing room. I was not even allowed to go in and walk around and look over their shoulders or anything. That was really, and so what am I really there for? I'm really there for our coaches, you know. So now it turns out that I've got three mats going, all the weights are going, and I have to figure out who loses, who wins, and who wrestles who next. You know, you coaches always used to think we had a crystal ball that we looked in to see. <laughs> so you know, they'd say, well, if so-and-so loses and so-and-so wins, in two matches, who does my guy wrestle? And I'm supposed to know the answer to that. Right? <laughs> right. So like you said, John Smith had lost a match. And he was wrestling the Cuban. And the Cuban was, I forget exactly how it went. And, and we thought that this one, no, this is the one that John loses. They wanted to know if he could lose this match and still yeah. go on because yeah. the other guy had lost. So Greg comes running up to me and he says, Ralphie, Ralphie, can John lose this match? And first of all, this match is going to be part of determining that, you know, <laughs> as is this match. And I yeah. thought, oh my gosh. Pressure. <laughs> thing. So I thought it should go that way. And I said, I think so, Greg. And he goes, you can't say I think so. You've got to you've got to, I said, okay, yes, he can lose the match. <laughs> I thought, oh my, I might be swimming back home. And just so yeah. everybody knows, Ralphine was right, and John Smith won on to win his second gold medal. And won the gold medal. Yes, All he did. All thanks to you. Yeah, right. 
That is awesome. That's a good one. That's yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> um, well, you've um, you've met so many coaches and leaders and um, just so many people through all your travels, throughout all your life and, and wrestling and education. Um, besides Charlie, who was your favorite coach that you ever met? And you don't have to say like me because you feel bad for me. <laughs> like that. We, we know we're in the top three at least. So you, oh, you can go from there. From oh, four on, you're... Yes. <laughs> you say Mike Lee, we know you're lying. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's the, out of all the levels, out of everybody, who's the favorite coach that... Um, that's such a hard that's such a hard question i mean wow i and, and again i could tell you so many stories about you know when david was being recruited the guys that sat in our living room and and the coaches that flew into the airport just to sit down with dave lee and try to get him to change his mind once he's decided on stanford he's, he'd say i'll listen to you and they he'd say no and so what's his name gets on his plane and flies back to oklahoma i can't think of his name right now um but a couple people I admire. Well, who wouldn't admire Kale Sanderson? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even know the guy, but I know what a force he's got to be, and I don't know what his secret is. But I know he gets good material, but he's got to be a heck of a coach for whatever. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And a, another coach <laughs> that I really admire, and this is a football coach, and this is Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, uh, the football coach. And if you guys in the audience follow uh, football at all, there was a problem with Iowa football in the beginning of the, actually in the spring and summer, because some of the black athletes were saying that they hadn't been treated fairly. That broke my heart because yeah. you know, that was my school, Charlie's school. Anyway, they've, they've taken care of that if you ever can. And I think the school will come out stronger because of that. But I do admire um, Kirk Ferentz for one reason. Um, I sent Charlie's book to, um, Oh, help me out. The wrestling coach, Bonds. Uh, Brands, Tom Brands. Brands. Yeah, I, I sent him a bunch. Of, uh, I sent him a bunch of books. That's my, I should have put my sign up. <laughs> and um, he, I said, uh, would you give some to uh, Coach Ferentz? And he did. And I got a handwritten note back from Kirk Ferentz. I mean, like uh -oh. this, handwritten, saying, thank you for the book. It's really wonderful. And I will say Tom Brands did the same thing. Tom Brands sent me an email and he said, oh my gosh, I did not know that Dave Lee's dad played football at Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And those that are awesome. connections that you know, make you realize what those coaches are. So yeah. that is awesome. So along with that, um, based on everything that you've seen from both your kids, your husband, all the coaches you've been around, what do you think makes up a good coach? I mean, that's a pretty, in general, the definition of good, a phenomenal and exceptional coach, right? Something like that. What, yeah. what are the qualities? What, do you, what have you seen throughout your life and your career and through okay. everything? What, what are the best coaches? What are they doing? What, okay. what, I think what teachers, coaches, the same thing. Of course, we know you have to have a love for kids, although some mm -hmm. teachers don't, but, but we know that <laughs> that is part of it. You have to be a lifelong learner. Yes. Um, you know, you can't, I mean, oh, well, I did it this way last year. I'm going to do it this way the next 10 years. You, you can't be that way. But um, I'm going to turn this one around because two of the coaches that I have been most impressed with is you two guys. <laughs> and you both got your master's from Missouri. You and Mike, you guys, you had the season going on. You had every, uh, so you tell me, you know, what your secret is because you guys, 
I can't tell you how impressed I was with you guys doing that. You know, Ralphine, I, I've said this before on, um, when I was asked about, yeah, thank you, first of all. Um, cool. When I was on this podcast called the Character Combine Podcast, and they asked about coaching and who you're influenced by. And I always consider myself incredibly lucky to have gone through Bella Vista when I did. Oh. That group of, of men at that school and the yeah. way they coached, and it was, it was about getting kids involved in something positive. I remember um, right before uh, wrestling season started, Gordon Pistacchini was outside the gym and he said, you're coming out for basketball. And I go, no, I'm not a basketball player. I'm going to wrestle. And he goes, okay, but you have to do something. It doesn't have to be basketball, but you have yeah. to do something. So it wasn't about his team. And it was about kids yes, doing something positive. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, playing football for Charlie and, and um, playing football for Don Driscoll and all those guys, they, it was that same attitude. Like we're going to be, we're going to be role models. We're going to be a positive influence on kids. Yeah. We're going to, we're about this high school. And that was such a powerful thing for that high school. And it's, it was why they were good in everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, baseball, football, track and field, you know, Larry Fletcher, known, known yeah. that guy since I was a kid and they're just great Country. human beings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, okay, I just happened to look at the back of Charlie's book here, and I'm just going to read you a short quote. It says, I think Coach Lee was more in the business of creating character and molding young men into responsible people than in creating state and nationally ranked competitors. And that's a quote by Cody Olson. I think that says it all. You know, that's, it what, it's about. that's what you guys do on a daily basis, you know. That's where I was going to go with mine is um... – one, I truly do care and love for every single one of my wrestlers and every single one of my students I care about individually. I get to know them individually, personally, outside of sport. Yes. Because um, I do. I care about them as a person. And, and their families. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and their families and everything, right? And, um, and their, their overall well-being. And how can I be a positive role model for them? And being a coach, a wrestling coach, gives us the opportunity to use wrestling as a tool, right, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. build those lifelong traits, yeah. Yeah, those lifelong positive skills. And when you when you um, focus on that, and that you're there for, it's not about me. It's for the kids, right? And um, right. then it starts getting like I'm not like you never see us yell at the kids or curse or do anything oh, like uh -uh. get angry or anything like that. At the kids, it's like yeah. because we have that vision, that mindset that we are there for them for their overall well being, yeah. right? And um, it's not about me, so. That's why I'm not sitting there yelling. I'm not like you're making me look bad, right, or anything like that. Right. Um, it's like we can do hey. we can do that on our own. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, but just using sport wrestling as a tool to do that, build the social and emotional character of of these young men and women, right, and um, giving them those lifelong skills that they can carry with them. And and I am a product of some great coaches and some horrible coaches uh -huh. and I learn what to do and what not to do then I'm a lifelong learner as well like you said always trying to learn like the to grow professional development stuff and teaching and coaching but always improving my, my skill set from yeah. mindset stuff to technique to caring about the, the athletes individually and I think if you do all those things and you do care about them and you got your way to um to help them and mold them and um like being on campus helps so much. Like I'll go walk around at lunch and just, just hang out with the kids. And I don't even talk wrestling. I just like hang out with yeah, them. Just, just me and one of the guys. Yeah. 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 Just to hang out. And um, you do all those things and you do care about them and you're consistent and you model those. You people. and I both know 
one of the big reasons you're successful is this guy right here, Dana, and everything <laughs> he does down oh. below. Oh my God. Dana but, is the cornerstone of this whole yeah, I agree. I agree. But you know, we, we, everybody that's involved with it is, we all have our roles to play, yeah, you know, exactly. and that's, that's and what cool. I love about it. We're not, we're not just here at Carnegie wrestling and doing our own thing. It's about yeah. a whole process that goes yeah. from our youth program and the people that Mike recruited to, to be coaches in that program. And then yeah. at our level, and we're all on the same page. We're all trying to do the same thing. Um, and like at the end, being there with those, the BV kids at those tournaments is great. And Mike, Mike yeah. Lee did such a beautiful, amazing, amazing yeah. job just rebuilding the program up and doing all those things. And I'm really just trying to, I'm obviously I'm doing a few things my way, but like, you know, I don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? I don't you need to fix it, something right? that's not broke, right? Like yeah. Yeah. What, what, that culture he created, that positive. If he hadn't come in when he did, oh. BV wrestling would have been, well, we know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that, that positive coaching that he created and molded. And, and when you do all these things, Ralphine, and I could go on forever, everything me and Dan <laughs> are doing and, and Mike did, but um, the winning takes care of itself, right? It does, we don't, yeah. And we don't sit there and preach, 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 win at all costs at all, ever, right? That's the opposite of what we do, right? Yeah, we're, um, yeah exactly. task-oriented. Um, but um, the winning takes care of itself when you focus on just molding good people and getting them to buy in and commit and yeah. trust you. You trust all those things, right? You mm -hmm. trust them. So, um, but yeah, that culture, it's that, that culture. And even Matt Vigna, um, <clears throat> who is so awesome with the, the Young Kids Club, Sean mm -hmm. has been helping a lot with the Younger Younger Kids Club. And Matt Vigna just sent me a text last week. He's like, hey, like, I want to help more than ever this year. Like, what can you <laughs> tell me? And, um, so, I mean, just so lucky to have people like really? that because yeah. that type of stuff saves my marriage, you know what I mean? Which keeps, <laughs> keep, I keep get me, that. <laughs> keeps me going, you know, because if I had to run the kids club by myself too, then I just probably wouldn't be able to coach, right? Because family's first for me. So, but um, anyway. Yeah, the, the whole thing's well, a huge know, job. Along with this, I want to say something about like the Bella Vista Fan Club page. I looked and we've got like 300 people that are, what do you call it? part of that or something you like that yeah following. yeah and i was so afraid that with the you know once wrestling stopped it's always a dry season but there's something but then when covid hit i thought oh man this is going to be the end of it but you know every once in a while you find some little thing to put on there everybody's watching for something so yeah there's the fan base too and they're used to what you guys are doing for them and and they're loyal fans aren't they gee yeah and, and you know what ralphine that's that's why we wanted to keep the podcast thing going because really yes. when we originally started doing it, it was about getting the message of what we're doing in the program right but we still have a message right yes. even though we're down we still have this message of positive coaching and what our program's about and and being able to bring in some people from across the country to talk about what they've done and to be able to bring you in and talk. And I think it's a, a great way to kind of keep everybody connected on the message and what, and what we're doing and keep that going. And yeah, there are right. ways to do it. We just got to figure it out, you know, yeah, just exactly. have to figure it out. Yep. We do. All right. You actually mentioned this gentleman earlier. Um, I know Dave Schultz is, um, he's a big part of your family and what you do. He's also considered one of the best wrestlers ever and, and a great coach as well. So just tell us a little bit about your family's relationship with Dave. I, I know you've, uh, he's got a connection with you and I know with David, definitely. Um, he was a big part of Dave's life and, and, uh, 
just whatever you're comfortable talking about, um, about Dave Schultz and your family's relationship. Well, Dave was such a unique guy. And, you know, I think I realized that when I first met him. And, and I think the first time I, I really knew who he was, well, I knew who he was when uh, didn't Glenn Cooper beat him when he was a junior in high school? Glenn uh, Cooper, a Carnegie kid, by the way. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so Dave was second, so well, second, somebody beat him. But, but then the next year when he qualified for Tbilisi, remember that? Yep. And then... Uh, yeah, that's cool. What he did, he didn't win that. He I could. think he won, I think he won the Tbilisi tournament in Russia. He did. As in high school. Senior in high school. Yes, yes. Considered like the toughest tournament in the world. <laughs> so that was in February. Now he's coming back and it's time for him to wrestle in the California State Championships. Well, you guys know well enough to know that there are coaches out there who say, well, he can't do that. He wasn't here for subsections. He missed sections. We can't let him wrestle. Well, you guys know who led the charge on that one and said, wait a minute, you know, this is a rule we're going to break because Dave's going to wrestle. And of course he did. But that was establishing right at that time, went into Belize as a high school kid. Wow. So, you know, Charlie, Charlie knew Dave fairly well and he would have him come up and do clinics and Dave would, you know, he'd sit down and eat dinner with us and everything. And I had him drive one time when he was up, he spoke to my third grade class, uh, as did Mark. Mark made a separate trip up and, and uh, did a clinic and spoke to my third grade class. <laughs> we were standing out on the playground and my kids were out there. Dave and I were talking and we were just talking about stuff in general. And he said, you know, he said, I didn't do too well in kindergarten. I said, is that right? He said, yeah. He said, all these little kids, you know, they were whining around. They wanted to paint on these easels and he grew up in a culture there at Stanford because his dad was a Stanford uh, professor and his mom was a big wheel in the um, Renaissance thing up at Medford. Anyway, they were both very intellectual and he grew up with adults and in an adult culture. So kindergartners to him, <laughs> he didn't want anything to do with and, and, and so he didn't really fit into school, you know, during that time, it just wasn't his thing. And you all know kids like that now. We've got lots of kids, more and more kids, which we're starting to recognize now. But he was telling me that story, which, which was a good one. And of course, he bought, brought his gold medal and he let all of my kids put on the gold medal, you know, and wear it and told them a little bit about it. And then um, he said he would write us a letter. So all my kids, you know, it's hard to get third graders motivated to write. But when they wrote to Dave Schultz and I said, think of one question. You, this is after he visited us and something that he didn't answer. Um, Think of one question you'd like to ask him. So we had 32 kids at the time, so we got 32 letters. So he wrote back to us. He wrote, he answered every kid's question individually. Wow. Now, I did happen to find out from Nancy later on that she <laughs> played a major part there, but nevertheless. <laughs> That's a lot of questions. <laughs> That's a lot of questions. Like, what's your favorite animal, you know? Right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. My, my mental picture right now of those two guys standing up in front of a bunch of third graders is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. yeah. Oh. I just looked it up, by the way. He got second at the Tbilisi in high school. A Russian beat him up yeah, and he um, he plays higher than any other American at the tournament. But um, then any he, other American at the tournament. Yeah. Wow! Because there were some good guys wrestling. That's amazing. Him. Yeah, and he went to Palo Alto, right? High school. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. His coach was Joe DeMeo. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Cool. Um, 
so when David, David, you know, you can take five trips to visit uh, different colleges when you're recruited. And David did his trips to Oklahoma, Okie State. Um, did he go to Nebraska? Yeah, because he and Cody went to Nebraska together. He did go to Iowa and maybe Arizona, can't remember. But anyway, he visited and he kind of was leaning towards Oklahoma. Well, Susie was at Stanford at the time. She was a junior then. And she said, David, you know, at least come down and spend the weekend with me. And he goes, Susan, I don't want to go to school there. And she goes, well, <laughs> come down and see the campus. I mean, you guys know, if you're on that campus, you fall in love with it. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. So he goes down, you know, and of course, you know where he ends up. He works out in the wrestling room with Mark and Dave for like five hours the first day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he calls Charlie that night because he's supposed to come home the next day because this was a Saturday. And he goes, hey, Dad, can I stay one more day? He said, I'm working out with Mark and Dave Schultz. And he <laughs> goes, well... Okay, so the next day, I don't know how many hours they they worked out, but you know how that would go. You just couldn't yeah. get up. So he calls that night and he says to Charlie, he says, you know, it won't hurt if I miss school on Monday. And Charlie says, get yourself home. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> but that two days did it. I mean, wow. and you know, when David did go there, I think he had worked out with Dave Schultz something like 12 weeks before I ever took him down once. Wow. wow! Yeah, that's you know, awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, another cool thing is that Pete Hendrick, another coach in our program, yeah, yeah. His high school wrestling coach was Mark Schultz. I know it. Another it like just awesome. small world. I didn't know that small world correlation. Um, so I have uh, one last question left, Ralphine. But before I ask the question. I just want to give you the floor. If there's anything you want to share or say or discuss or just you kind of like have an open open opportunity. And by the way, this is so much fun that I want to do this again. <laughs> awesome. Okay. I, I maybe I have somebody else in my family that might even, you know, yeah. talk to us sometimes yeah. too. Yeah. That, that would be a good one too. <laughs> you know it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you know, he is supposed to be on his surfboard right about now, but he didn't get to go to Bali. He goes to Bali for six months every year. Yeah. Get to go this year. And, and no, I'm not going to mention, I've got too much to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If, if I said anything that I left out, you always think of things. But the first thing I would want to say to the audience out there, and I'm speaking about the athletes and the families, I want to impress upon them again how very fortunate they are to be at Bella Vista and at Carnegie with the coaching staffs that they have. Because, I, I mean, you guys don't forget to send me my check after this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I, I'm so sincere about that, and it shows. And, and, you know, just the comments you hear as a spectator when they're talking about little things that happen, and that's always nice to hear. So I have to say that, and I have to also say that the sport of wrestling is so unique. I remember Mark Sprague is a, is a great coach in Oregon. And I think he's 85 now and he's still coaching. And he, the Oregon USA and the superstars were hand in hand and we trained up there and they trained down here. And one time, and this was fairly early on in my wrestling career, we were walking in together, big, important tournament, not many spectators there. And I didn't say much about it, but he looked at me and he said, you know, it just takes a special kind of person to appreciate our sport. 
Yeah. Isn't that the truth? You know, so it's true. Yeah. Look at our families. Yeah. Look at our families. Gosh. The whole family comes every weekend. It, yeah. It's a unique sport, and the traits that wrestling teaches. I can't think of another sport that does it better. Yeah, oh. agreed. Absolutely agreed. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to try and communicate that. What What's so special about our sport to people who are not involved in our sport? Exactly. Even some of my friends who aren't in, in involved with wrestling and they see what I do, they just don't, they just don't get it. They don't see it because they're just not in it, right? And it's so hard to communicate. It's like, to me, it's like trying to tell the dog, a dog what day of the week it is. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I, can't, you know? I just can't. And, um, you know, like, they don't get like why I'm meeting at Bella Vista at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And, <laughs> yes, then, right. you know, and then coming home at 12 o'clock at midnight. <laughs> yeah, sitting yeah. in the high school gym after driving and then all day long. And then all the parents and all the families are there with me. I'm like, how the heck? Like, what do you guys, how, what is going on here? Why are you guys doing that? Like, I, I don't know. I don't have those words. I'm not like a poet, you know, I'm not a writer or anything, you know, so, um, yeah, you're, you're totally right. It's just not for everybody, you know, and but the people who go in, the people who go into it, um, they're, they're hooked and like, you still go to all the Bella Vista dual meets and tournaments as many as you can and yeah. my parents go with you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness for them. <laughs> no, it's, and Garrett, it's Garrett, I think, um, it, you and I have said this before on here and we get, I think, speaking for myself, at least I get more out of it than I put into it. And I put a lot into it. Um, yeah. and, and that's part of it, you know, and if that little selfish slice of it is, it has given me so much in, in my career and in my life and the people I've met and the friends I've met, like Garrett and I wouldn't be friends if, if it weren't for wrestling, you know, oh. we end up getting a, a degree together and, and, you know, being able to do some really cool things together. And it's just, it attracts, um, special people. It, it really does. does because it's so it's so different and unique. It attracts those special people, and and what you get back from that is 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 amazing. I wouldn't be growing a mullet right now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You, you, when you cut that off, save it. I think I could probably glue it right <laughs> in almost, here. It's almost like you know, I promise. I promised the guys last year at Masters that if we got five boys to state. I should have said seven, but um, we got five boys <laughs> and I grow a mullet and it's, it's there. I it's getting there. It. It's getting there. But I want to say one thing about what you said, Dina, about how much, how good it makes you feel. And you guys, it's the tip of the iceberg. It will yeah. get better as you get older and as you influence more kids and they come back to you and thank you. You just can't realize right now what it's going to be like. <laughs> well, I will say this probably the best part of my career teaching or coaching is um, I know the BV tradition um, from the time when I was there and to be a part of what it is now um, and being lucky enough to connect with Mike and, and become a part of that. And then to bring Garrett into it is it's been the honor of my career. And that's because that is only there because of you and Charlie. Um, if, if you weren't there at BV building that program, we wouldn't be working on keeping the tradition alive and doing things the way that we do probably. so yeah. it, it was the model for us absolutely and it's so fun along the way you know absolutely oh yeah for sure i mean i've it's been the joy of my career and and the honor of my career to be a part of that and i'm yeah. I'm really proud of, of what we've been able to do but it's all modeled on what happened before us we just we just took the framework and, and built upon it yeah but that's how good things develop you know it's cool yeah. too is, um right on that note dana is um I came in, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, I started wrestling in kindergarten for the Bella Vista Wrestling Club. Your mom that, told me that. Yeah, in that little wrestling club, um, Mark Nolan was the co coach. Okay. And that was like the very end of like the Charlie, Charlie era. 
Okay. But they went and um, they they brought kids to our elementary school and like did Ooh. a little performance. And my my cousins had wrestled, and my brother came home and it was like, hey, I want to wrestle. And then so he went to Bella Vista, and I was watching practice, and I asked my dad, I was like. My dad, I mean, we're standing in the same wrestling room as it is now, right? And um, yeah. I remember standing in there and asking my dad if I could go wrestle, you know? He's like, okay, go out there. So I went out there and started wrestling. And that was like my first club for my first few years of my wrestling career. Yeah. That, that little wrestling. You know so, I mean, it does come full circle, you know, and it's awesome. And then here I am now, you know? And Craig, we're going we're gonna to start calling you the, the boomerang. We keep throwing you out and you keep coming back as a kid, as a coach, as a teacher. <laughs> but you can't leave again. That's the only thing. Yeah, yes. I know. I know. But you mentioned, you know, those younger kids, getting them in. I, the first time we went to the Clovis tournament, and I saw all these little kids march in with matching jackets and sit down in little rows. They were like third graders and fourth graders and they were in these matching letter jackets. I said, who are those guys? And they were the grade school teams for that area. You know, they do. Yeah, they do elementary school oh, leagues down there. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing yeah. what they can do. Just expose them in some way. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I know one third grade that happened to be exposed every year, but. <laughs> so. Ralphine, before I give you to the, the hardest and last question, um, I just want to say what a pleasure this has been. Like, the time has flown by. Like, this has been so much fun for me. It's been so much fun. Oh, I, I, I just love you and I love the podcast, but just go out for coffee or something. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> and um, my kids keep on asking me to go back to your library, too. So maybe we'll write oh, our good. Oh, that's great. Oh, oh, I want to say something here, you guys. Would you put in um, a plug for Charlie's book? I had some more printed. Dana, if you've got guys that have, or girls, too, that are serious, yeah. like a copy, I have more. Garrett, you absolutely. Remember, I, I was going to come back to you, Garrett, for you know before everything ended and give everybody a book, and that didn't happen. So right, I remember we talked about that. Yeah. For anybody who's listening, if you don't have the book called Coach, I'd be glad to send you a copy. So. Great, read. Yeah. it's a great. Yeah, just read. zip us, um, Garrett, Coach Lane, or I an email, and um, okay. and we'll we'll get them in contact with you to get to get a book to them okay. for sure. Okay. Yeah. I think our email is probably the easiest way for them to get in touch with us, Very and then good. we'll we'll connect yeah. them with you. My, my email is on bvwrestling.com, garrett.lane at sanjuan.edu. So, um, okay, okay. Yeah. But yeah, bvwrestling.com. Hey, so, uh, Ralphine, Dana and I are huge wing fans. Like Buffalo I knew Wings. it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one question you should know. It's yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're big connoisseurs. Yes. Um, big fans. And um, I mentioned this on some other podcasts probably, but... I'm such a fan that my wife doesn't even let me order them sometimes because I get disappointed. Like if they're not good, yeah, yeah. I get sad. You know, you need to work on that. You really do. You got to have like a meditation beforehand or something. No, you shouldn't you cry. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, best wings you've ever had, or your favorite wings? Go. I'm gonna break your heart. <laughs> I'm not a wings fan at all. You were gonna ask me. I love a good hot dog, but wings, yuck. Good hamburger. <laughs> okay. All right. So Best hot dog. It. Best hot dog. Yeah. Oh, best hot dog. Well, my hot dog place closed, and you probably don't know it, but Charlie found it, of course. Charlie had a knack for finding the little mom and pop spots clear across the United States. I don't know how he knew them all, but he did. <laughs> and this little place called the Wienery, not, not here, the Wiener Works on Madison, not that. Yeah. It was 
down um, near Sac State, it's called the Wienery, oh, near Elvis or someplace in there. And they had the best hot dogs I've ever eaten. And Charlie and I would go down there and they had good homemade bean soup. So we would go down oh. there for hot dogs about, oh, every couple months at least. Oh, so I went down there a few months ago and it was closed. I oh no. We had pictures of all the Sacramento icons because everybody knew it. And it just was shut down. Uh, so that I know Parker's has good hot dogs. I don't like the Wiener Works. So you know what? I like <laughs> Costco hot dogs pretty darn well. <laughs> a lot of people do. A lot of yeah. people do. So good. So good. <laughs> All right. Ralphine, we cannot thank you enough for coming on and doing this with us. We've been just going crazy talking about this over the last week and getting ready to, to have you on. And well, I'm, it's been so much fun, Dana, really. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. Thank, thank you, you so much. Ralphine. We'll have to do part two and maybe we'll get your, your boy on here. Oh, all righty. Sounds good. Thanks again. Awesome. I, I think that's a commitment. She's his agent. So that's, that's a commitment yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you um, for listening and, and being loyal to what we're doing in the podcast and especially to um, the, the Scronko wrestling program itself. Um, Scott's and the Broncos are tied together and this, this kind of helps us keep that going. So coach Lane, you want to sign us off here, bud? Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Ralphine. Thank you, Dana. Um, go Skronkos. Go Skronkos. Let's do a good season this year. Let's go. Yeah. Do your best. Do your best. <laughs> I love it.